0: Yo, welcome to Stars Podcast, the home of Growth Mindset Moment, where we break down the habits, hacks, and protocols the stars use while relentlessly moving forward to maximize our daily potential. If this is your first time, welcome to the fam. If you're a longtime listener, thank you for stopping back. Our guests range from entrepreneurs, C suite pros, Web3, NFT, and crypto enthusiasts, jujitsu athletes, fitness instructors, mindset coaches, lawyers, and everything in between. They may seem different on the surface, however, when we start to break down the systems they all live by, we quickly realize we're all not so different after all. I'm your host, Ron Jordan, along with my co-host, Alyssa Jordan, coming out of Rosinante Studios in Slippery Rock, Pennsylvania. Let's get into the journey. Today, we are joined by the creator of the third most watched YouTube channel, Jussup. Jussup attempted a 100-mile trail run, which was cut short because, get this, He had a life-threatening spine infection. He has since bounced back from that spine infection where he had to inject himself with antibiotics for weeks at his second attempt at a 100-mile run. Jessup also founded a Web3 company, traveled the globe interviewing the best of the best from the blockchain world, and was also run over by a snowmobile. This guy is an absolute savage. Join me in welcoming Jessup to the Growth Mindset Moment podcast. Just uh, what's going on, my friend? <laughs> what's up? No, I mean, with an intro intro like awesome. that. I, I just I like I said, I've been ODing on the videos and, and like just thinking about this conversation has had me just amped up. Um, you have so much depth to who you are uh just as a person. But um just wanted to say thank you for joining me today and and just kind of setting setting aside the time for us. Yeah, of
1: course, man. Thank you for having me.
0: Hell yeah. So I'd like to start really where the intro sort of ends off is the snowmobile accident, because this is where you end up kind of shifting gears with your mind and really going down a pretty dark road. Honestly, where, Yeah. how did you even get involved in snowmobiling? And let's start there. Why were you snowmobiling? Okay. Yeah.
1: So, I mean, I Basically, I grew up in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. So, like, I grew up snowmobiling. I've, uh, we lived in the mountains. We we're just small town kids doing everything you can outside. Um, and so, snowmobiling was not anything like new to me by any means. This was actually a work trip where we all got invited to go out to uh, do these different. It was like all the people who were top performers in. Um, and their business and stuff like that. And so the the company, they flew a bunch of people out and had this big retreat and big award ceremony and everything like that. And there was different events set up throughout the the uh, trip. And so one of those events was, we were all going snowmobiling. Well, not everybody there has the same snowmobiling background as I do. And so this dude who was actually a vendor um, like somebody that our company worked with, and he was there representing the vendor. He was there, and he was from Florida where they had never seen snow before. And so, this was his first time, yeah, probably not well versed at
0: snowmobiling,
1: yeah. And uh, he had his finger. We all like go to the top of this mountain to take photos, and it's like the turn turning point. So, we all parked our snowmobiles, and um. Mine was sitting on my backpack was sitting on somebody else's snowmobile because they were using mine for everybody to take pictures on. And then uh, I go to grab my snow or my backpack and the guy who was parked behind us, the the guy from Florida, went to start his snowmobile and had the gas completely pressed and the thing took off out from underneath him and then pinned me between the snowmobile right in front of me. Um, And it like, uh, it, if it would have been a little bit further, like maybe a half an inch to the side, it probably would have been a severed, like my leg. It was no kidding. It was, it that. was that. Wow. Yeah. But then, uh, you know, the CEO of our company is there. Everybody, all my coworkers and everything is there. So my adrenaline is just pumping and I got up and I'm like, oh, let's go, let's get out of here. And I rode my the snowmobile out of there. And then I was with a couple girls uh there like we could bring guests and I brought some girls and um they were like just like let's go snowboarding the next day I was just hurting so bad and um I had uh, at that point like leading up to then I've had issues with my back I've had multiple procedures when I was 16 I had kidney stones Um, I, when I was in high school, I had to have a stint put in, like I had all kinds of medical issues growing up. And so I, at that time I had a prescription for hydrocodone for my back, my spine. So I just took, took, uh, hydrocodone and we went to the award ceremony. I was drinking alcohol. So those two things mixed together, like obviously the the pain was diminished a little bit. Yeah, Um, you, You were riding just fine yeah and so then the next day like after all that wore off I, it was pretty bad and i attempted to snowboard a few times did a couple rounds and i was like i gotta go to the er um and i ended up riding in the car the ceo of our company crashed snow skiing so me and him rode in the same vehicle to the er <laughs> and then uh that's when i found out like I had a tibial plateau fracture, multiple ligaments torn in one knee, and then multiple ligaments torn in the other, um, or one one in the other, and then I ended up developing what's called RSD, which is an issue with the nervous system, um, and then had multiple procedures after that, but that was the long-winded story, too. Uh, it felt like I really hit rock bottom in that kind of moment. I was a single dad at the time. Um, I did have a girlfriend, which she came through significantly in this whole whole period. Um, but yeah, I mean, I gained a ton of weight, as you saw in that video. I was in a wheelchair for several months. Um, yeah, but hitting, I think, that point of feeling like you're at rock bottom, it was a catalyst of kind of going, all right, well, Uh, And I ended up getting let go from the company as I was recovering. Uh, It just, it was a spiral. And so finally I was just kind of like, all right, this is a catalyst for uh, getting my life together, taking accountability. I started working out. I learned to meditate and I got completely off of all. I mean, I was on, my prescription for Vicodin was 10 milligrams six, 10 milligram Vicodins every day since I was 18 till about 25. And so that was, that was a huge What thing was it like have,
0: coming off of that?
1: Is, oh, it's terrible. Like the, the fear of pain is worse than actual pain. And then you have like, I don't care who you are. It, it is a like, you're going to go through withdrawals because that's just what those chemical opiates do like you're going to have to deal with you might not have an addictive personality or need to go to to rehab or something like that but you're going to be dealing with withdrawals and terrible symptoms (laughs) yeah well i'll tell you what
0: that was an interesting comment that you just made the the fear of pain is actually worse than the pain itself Uh, can mm -hmm. you dig in on that a little bit
1: yeah i think like you and that's something that we learn in like uh ultras as well which we'll get into it's like I, I guess for me I'm just speaking off my own experience oh, like course. even like when I uh am getting ready for a long run and I know it's gonna just destroy my legs like I get so much anxiety in my head more than when I'm just out there just I like I just keep moving and I, I think that's the big thing is and that's the <laughs> I would almost equate that to life in general, of like thinking about having uncomfortable conversations with people. Most of the time we are worried and that fear of that conversation is way worse than the actual conversation.
0: Um, yeah. Whenever we think about this fictitious future, we always catastrophize it. It's always, it always seems sure. to be the worst case scenario instead of, well, what if this conversation goes really well? Or what if I do really good? It's funny how we just we just don't think like that on on a like our natural reaction is to self preserve, self preserve and like try to protect ourselves as opposed to thinking about something in a way that is protecting ourselves still, but like doing it in a different way. I'm just it's always I'm always interested in how how others kind of view that. And it sounds it sounds like the same thing. I'm curious too, like with the accountability piece. Whenever you're coming off of those opiates, what type of accountability practices were you putting into place? Like, because here's well, here's what w- I'll say is, yeah, with some of the tactics that I've used in particular is just like removing it from my grasps, like keeping it out of out of my way, um, so it's not easily accessible. What were some of the things that you used as accountability?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, I definitely I ended up, I would say, replacing that, though, with I started using cannabis Mm -hmm. um, and that that because, you know, there was obviously real pain I was also dealing with. And so I replaced both, I would say, utilizing cannabis as well as meditation. Um, So it wasn't necessarily like I just completely. it, it's easy to not have that in your grasp when like the effort to get it is fairly high where I'd have to go to a doctor and like, and it, it, uh, at that point, like I had a pain management doctor The and my medical records is a novel. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it, yeah, it's not hard for me to get pain meds or like, I mean, they, they'll look at it and go, okay wow mm-hmm. <laughs> so um but it is just higher effort to like it, it's not buying a bag of chips and leaving the chips in the cupboard um so that made it a little easier was just not having it I mean that's same with like how i lost lost weight is like I don't people assume like I have this strong willpower i'm like no just don't buy it don't but you put cookies or chips in my cupboard, they're getting eaten. Like that's just, yeah. you just don't have it. And I think everybody is a little bit different. Um, but that's how I found is like, okay. And, and rather than falling down this like judgmental of like, Oh, I don't have the willpower to, to leave it there. It's like, I, this is just how my brain works. And uh, I know this is just the solution. So rather than like wrapping that that up as my identity and, um, it's, it doesn't matter. To me. It's just I actually assertion. really enjoy that piece of it too, is it's
0: just being self-aware enough to know that it's not like, it's not that you don't have the willpower or whatever. Like, I'm sure that if you really put your mind to it, you could probably avoid it. But at the same time, like why, why like put yourself through that? Why try and created an, an opportunity for you to fail. You just create an opportunity for you to succeed by just not having it available. So I think that right. that's one of the things that James Clear talks about in Atomic Habits all the time is just set yourself up for success. So if you're having trouble falling asleep because you leave the television on all the time, we'll get rid of the television.
1: Yeah. You know? So, yeah, we have a rule at my house, uh, which is just me and my kid. But the rule is like no electronics in your bedroom. So I charge my phone in the living room. There is no TVs in the bedroom. Uh, it's just not it's just kill it. Like there yeah. is no hesitation to grab my phone at night because it's not there. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's 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 power. Totally that's a it.
0: power move, bro. I can't. I can't do it. I mean, I probably could. I don't want to say I can't do it. But like I just I'm a as soon as I wake up, that's my alarm. That's everything. So like, yeah, but I do have a rule that I can't get on social media until 9 a.m. So no matter what, I can't oh. go. I can't do anything in the morning on my phone, social media related until 9 a.m. That's like that's my rule. Um, so just kind of putting that out there. But anyhow, the question that I was having for you was like, whenever you first started down that accountability road, you get let go from your company and that you're going through recovery. What was like the first step that you took towards, uh, towards this hundred mile journey?
1: Uh, well, I would say that's like, um, or is that a big step? Long. Huh? Is yeah. That a big yeah step? It's a big step. I mean, I, I think like, um, I had, yeah, at that moment i had zero intentions or like idea if you would have said i'm gonna be running 100
0: miles I was, well didn't what? you go didn't you get into like some sort of weekly challenge you were gonna do two miles a day or something like that
1: yeah yeah so that and and that's much later in life so you okay
0: know, no feel free to yeah. to fill in the gap for me
1: i was, I was hit by the snowmobile in 2014 so you know, that was a lot of, I ended up losing 70 pounds, um, just kind of like continuously built healthy habits. I learned to meditate. I started my own company making videos. I bet bet on myself making tons and tons of videos and um, just kind of kept going in that direction. And it was like, repl- anytime you start adding in one little healthy habit, it like, it's this snowball effect and, you know, eating healthy, you have more energy. You're, I'm outside doing things. Um, the more I'm posting, people are coming and trying to, to, uh, work with me or do be a part of what I'm doing. And so um, everything kind of just like grew fairly quickly. It, it, like it, it's exponential. Like anytime you start working on yourself, it becomes very exponential. And then uh, we, we, I think like meditation was the the biggest thing that I found very transformative is learning how to meditate and kind of what that did to my awareness. Um, What do you think about whenever you're meditating,
0: how were you prepared for that silence or that chatter? How did you prepare yourself for that self-talk inside of that practice?
1: um, Well, the method that I... Was taught originally was called is called square breathing, where uh, or box breathing. I think some people call it. It's, l- it's literally just you inhale for three seconds or whatever is comfortable. So three seconds, you hold for three seconds, you exhale for three seconds, hold that for three seconds. You just do that, um, and that's the the square. You four kind of sides to it, um, and the, the duration doesn't matter as long as it's comfortable. But that you're basically redirecting your mind to just focus on the counting. And so anytime you like have these thoughts kind of come in, you're just focused on, okay, redirect to the counting and, and getting on. Um so it was just like, I would almost say less meditative and more just hyper focused, which is kind of leads into the the meditation. And then once You obviously, it's not like, it's like brushing your teeth. Like if you did it once, you're not going to be like, oh my gosh, my teeth are whiter. It's an accumulative thing where all of a sudden you're like, holy cow, like there is this, there's something going on with this. And then uh, you start to feel like when you're tapping into that sympathetic nervous, the parasympathetic nervous system, um, and you can kind of start to feel and understand, oh, now I'm in the these moments and then you can kind of create your own uh meditative practice around that but that was how i originally stumbled into it and then i just started reading more and you know the more you uh take in the information of what you, you learn about what you're doing
0: you oh yeah kind of absolutely like that fundamentally curiosity. yeah the curiosity
1: yeah. starts to peak whenever you
0: start seeing some of the uh some of the benefits out of that too I'm curious also with your, with the videos. Cause you said you started betting on yourself and creating a ton of videos. How the hell did you get so good at making videos? Like your videos are absolutely <laughs> phenomenal. Like, is that something Stenny's that you've, it. that you learned how to do over just by creating more and more videos? Did you go to school for yeah, it? For sure. Like,
1: holy shit. So I, did not to, I did not go to school for it. Thank, thank you for the compliments. Um, I've just done a ton of them. And I started like when I was uh, 10, Um, me and my best friend, Will, who ran the hundred miles with me, Mm -hmm. we we've just known each other since like literally nine years old. And we both, my parents filmed everything. And so we had these uh, just old mini HD Sony cams and we would film everything we did. We'd do skits, we'd do dirt biking, snowmobiling, snowboarding, just, just kids making videos and I wish we would have uploaded them to YouTube back then, but we did it. We just <laughs> made them for fun. Yeah. Um, and so I think just years and years of like doing it. And then I, you know, I set, so in that whole like accountability, I started setting challenges for myself and like I did, um, you know, I was doing like a, a video a day for a while, which I called the gone in 60 seconds. And it was like a series where I did um, told my day in a 60 second, like one minute video. And so I was really learning on how to tell to story tell by putting everything in 60 seconds. And then, um, and then uh, in that I started doing more challenges. Like I uh, pushed myself to see how long of a plank I can do. And I ended up doing a 27 minute plank one time. Um, And these are just all things that like kept building my kind of confidence as well as like, oh, wow, this is it's breaking those barriers of what you feel is like a limiting belief, which every time you break one of those barriers, you start to realize like, holy crap, there's so much more world that I can accomplish and things that I can do. And so each one of those steps was just getting me further and further down that and then um and I realized that like when I have these crazy goals or these things that I have to accomplish I get very narrow-sighted I feel like I have pretty bad ADD so if I don't have something that I'm like very hyper-focused on then it just gets easy to wander so I set these like goals of like okay this is what I'm really hyper-focused on and then uh and you can I can accomplish them usually. And so then that's when the um, so 2014 is when I was hit by a snowmobile. Uh, I very loosely was running every once in a while. Like I wouldn't say it was something I did regularly. Um, obviously like it originally was difficult to start running because both my knees had surgery on them. Um, but it was just something that I kind of continuously got, I started running a little bit more here and there. And then um, my son, who I had been raising pretty much most of his life, had sole physical custody for pretty much all of his life. I I still have it, but um, his mom came back into the picture and wanted to kind of start building a relationship with him. And so we decided that he was going to go live with her for a year. And this was in 2021. And then we like I knew that was gonna just kind of mess with my head because it was it's very different. He's pretty much like my my buddy. My best Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So him leaving, I was like, oh man, this is gonna shake my world up. So I needed a, a good new challenge, which is when I decided to do the uh basically it was a minimum of two miles every single day. Uh No excuses and I had to run it. I couldn't walk them. It was running the two miles. And um I set it for four months. Basically, it was in September first, and I was like, I'm gonna do this to the end of the year. Well, once I hit the end of the year, I was like, Let's go a full year and just kind of continue on.
0: You're in you're in Wyoming, right?
1: So I was I at that time I had moved to Florida. Oh, okay. so I'm like, I, dude. I grew this up...
0: guy's this guy's running. He just starts his running career in the fucking winter.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, we, like you'll you see a some a lot of it. Yeah, like, I saw like, you like got... frozen
0: face and everything. Some of them. Yeah, but, no, sorry so, to interrupt.
1: Go ahead. I, yeah, I start. I I had been in Florida for a few months. I had just got in the house in Florida, and that was also the same time I started the business with my cousins and uh, the Web three business. And, then um, so I had been in Florida for maybe four months, maybe less than that, and uh, decided to start running and then, um, yeah, just, just progressed, started running every single day, ended up going back up to Montana and Wyoming for the holidays. I was there for like a little over a month and it was just, we, we get real cold and snow there. But yeah, like you were saying, my face is just... Yeah,
0: frozen off, tundra.
1: Frozen. The coldest I ran was like negative 30 or something. It was it was pretty brutal. Oh,
0: man. Um, I told you guys this but, guy's a savage. I told you. I warned you <laughs> at the beginning of this. <laughs>
1: um, the coldest was... Ended up being... Yeah, somewhere around negative 30. And then the hottest was like 112. Yeah. So... Saw every isn't extreme it, when you run day. Isn't it day.
0: crazy whenever you think about that piece of it and you think about these limiting beliefs and just knocking down the limiting beliefs of when you're, when you're sitting there lacing up your shoes and you know it's damn cold out and you still go do it, you've knocked down that limiting belief that I can't run in the cold. But now you can run in the cold. And yeah, the same you, thing for the other end. I can't run whenever it's this hot. Well, I, now you've done it
1: it what's funny is a lot of the things that like there'd be times where it's freezing cold. It's a, it's a complete blizzard. And like I called my buddy, Will, and we, it, it helps because we both kind of embody a very similar mindset. Um, and I remember I was like, dude, I don't want to be, I, I was just complaining. I was just being, I didn't. And yeah. obviously nobody fucking wants to do that. <laughs> uh, am I allowed to swear? Oh yeah, know. you're good. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> i was like nobody wants to do that and um he just goes well like this is an opportunity to train like this is good training and i'm like that's it's not what i wanted to hear but it's what i needed to hear Mm -hmm. and so like knowing that i didn't want to do it i ended up making myself do like three times the amount i was gonna do out there so i did six miles instead of the two miles 'Cause I'm like, look, like that is a different way to frame it of this is an incredible opportunity to get training in like harsh, harsh weather. You know, if you want to we're, we're out there to, to toughen up and to figure out how tough we are, we're like, here's the test. Not when everything is perfect and it's all going the way you want it to, and you manufacture these moments, like, no, let's do it when it sucks and it's shitty and like yeah. when you can learn to adapt and do it. When you don't want to do it, that I think is even is more powerful. So going going back to uh what we were talking about of like not having the bag of chips in there. So I think there's it, it goes both ways, right? Like I think it's it's nice to set yourself up for success. However, uh life is not always going to present you with those moments. And you do have to build the that discipline of like, okay, regardless of what is there, can I build a strong foundation that when those moments are tempting you and you're like being led back into um, all those things that you are trying to get away from that you can still stay grounded and and kind of move through that regardless. I think uh, Andrew Huberman calls it, I think limbic friction is what he calls it. Yeah, I'm a fan of Huberman for sure. Yeah.
0: I'm writing down limbic friction right now. I'm going to look that one up.
1: Yeah, I believe that's what he calls it, where it's uh, um, essentially like you're challenging your brain that, you know, if your phone is right here while you're working, uh, putting it out of sight is not, you're obviously making it easier. But if you have to push through it and work with that phone right there, you're pushing against that friction, yeah. essentially, which is building a stronger foundation of breaking that habit. And, um, it's just, uh, growing your kind of discipline. So that
0: is, that it's actually really interesting. The, the discipline piece of it, because that's, everybody wants to be motivated all the time. And honestly, like I'm, I'm motivated like less than 1% of the time I go to work out. Like I'm just not, I don't get super pumped up to, to go, for sure sure. brutalize myself it's just the discipline because i know i have to do these things in order to accomplish the goal and whenever you build that discipline into your diet i think that that's that's one of the best things that you can do and i i say i call it negotiating and i think that's in encouraging this limbic friction is like stop negotiating with yourself like anytime that i sit there and i'm like well maybe i'll do that maybe i'll do that and it's just like no this is what we're doing there's no there's no plan b there's only plan a right now and you have to have that discipline to just carry forward and make it happen and you learn that in a 100 mile
1: race right like <laughs> you know how many times you're just like
0: Yo, yeah, i was sitting in the portage and i'm like we're done we're done ron no more i, I don't want to go anymore and then the other side the other ron was like I'm being a bitch. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, why are yeah. you even here if you don't want to well, finish?
1: like And then even like the moments where you're pushing against like, uh, like, like we'll use me for an example, like this last race. Um, I had every excuse to not do it because doctors were telling me it was not possible. Like it just, mm-hmm. if I would have not done it, there's literally nobody that would have been like judgmental of me not doing it. Um, It's just like I had every excuse in the world and not to mention it was a very difficult, healthy. It's hard to do. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) And so, you know, when I'm pushing against the cutoff time, it's so easy to just be like, all I have to do is walk, fraction of a second slower and yeah you could could self-sabotage the shit
0: out of it you'd be done
1: yeah and you just go home and the the pain and you're constantly in pain i sent Mm -hmm. you a picture of the back of my heels like i did most of that race with my feet like that it felt like just walking on legos the entire time yeah and uh there's so many moments when you're just like i could and then you also got to think it's 33 hours of nonstop of this. Mm-hmm. Like you're going through so many emotions. It's a lifetime of emotions in one race. Um, it's yeah, it's definitely yes, something sp- that you that's learn. why I asked
0: you about the uh, whenever you're doing the meditation, because whenever I'm running, I feel like that's an active meditation. Because you're just constantly with yourself. That's the, only, that's the only person you got out there. So you're sitting there and you're thinking all of these thoughts all day long. And yeah, sure, you're in pain. And you, I try to not think about that. I try to give myself another avenue to think about other things. And during that time, like just like you said, it's like a lifetime of thoughts that you're running through while you're on these 33 hours of just constant movement. And it's just one of those things, too, where the only person that you'll really ever let down in those situations is yourself. And when you have shown up for yourself so many times and kept promises to yourself for so many times that you've, you've set out to do these things, it's amazing how much we want to show up for ourselves when we start to do it, isn't it? Right, yeah. And that's the only person that you would have let down is yourself, and yet that is who you who you went for. Like you just still went anyhow. Yeah, it's fu- it's fucking nuts. It's so weird. <laughs> it's so it, yeah. it is so weird. Whenever I like, I sit here and I think about it, and I don't get to talk to very many people that have gone down this road of of this suffering of constant movement, and your body is just totally broken down you're you're pissing brown you're you're seeing people throwing up uh you just you're just wrecked the whole time you're mentally fatigued you don't want to do it and yet we still go on and we do it which makes like normal life just seems so easy
1: yeah i so i would say yes and no because i've also figure or like uh you know with being sick right like and I th- I think I say it in that video is, like, one thing about the 100-mile race is, like, that suffering that we manufacture. And when I got sick and then had so many things, like, you know, I had to have the – so, for people that don't know, what, what I ended up getting. So, yeah, uh, I guess we can close some gaps a little bit. But in um, – I started I off doing bit, the. <laughs> What up? I said sorry.
0: I jump all over the place. I'm terrible. (laughs)
1: Uh, That's that's all good. No, Uh, two. So I did two miles um, every single day, and then about five months into it, my buddy Will he told me he was going to sign up for a hundred mile race, and I was like, Well, screw it, I'll do it with you. And uh, so I signed up for it. I thought it'll make a really great YouTube video. It will be uh, something to. Challenge myself significantly. And, uh, I was like, let's do it. And so that was supposed to be September 11th, 10th and 11th, uh, 2022. And I had just been training and I, I'd stuck with this every single, uh, day running the training though. I, like I was at the same time, I was traveling the world with this Web3 business. And when I say the world, I mean like Amsterdam, Portugal, Argentina, uh, Bahamas, here or uh, like Florida, Chicago. I was all over the place. Uh, and I didn't miss a single day of running, mm-hmm. being every single way. Like, I think people around me started, it was just like normalized of like, oh, Jessup's got to go do his run. And and that's, I, I guess, a little side note is like a lot of people use dieting or these healthy habits as like, well, it's going to interfere with their socialization. But like people just, if anything, it makes the people around you want to start doing things. And the people who don't are usually feeling inadequate because you're doing these things and they'll just not, they don't want to be around you because they, what you're doing makes them feel less than for themselves but that's that's really it like people who are inspired by what you're doing will just gravitate towards you and help support it so that being said we go or i'm training it's hard to do so the race that we signed up for is called i'm tough it has twenty two thousand feet of elevation game it's in in the mccall idaho mountains and just insane uh it's you, you saw the video it is crazy terrain you're scaling uh boulders like it's it's wild uh legit wild and um so i obviously can't train for that type of elevation here in florida so i ended up going up to jackson wyoming and montana and idaho just to train with my buddy and so we prepared for it and then 10 days before the race I started getting just this severe back pain and I thought it was due to some sort of, uh, I was doing yoga to try to get more flexible leading into this race. We We just came off of our peak training week. We were doing like 85 miles one week. The week before that was 75 and then multiple 60s and 50s previously to that. So I was doing more miles per week than I've ever done in my entire life. And I was feeling as healthy as I could, but I was exhausted. And I just figured that that was due to just the constant running. But then uh, I got this back pain and it was getting worse. I thought maybe I pulled my mus- pulled a muscle on my back and five days leading up to the race, I was like, all right, I'm going to go to the ER just to make sure I don't have like an herniated disc or a fracture or something that would... Uh, be stupid to run on to try this race. So I go to the ER. They did a CT scan. Uh, they wouldn't do an MRI in um, just because the most small, small or towns, like they don't have the capabilities of doing MRIs uh, out of an ER. And so he goes, the there is no fractures. Um, more than likely, I sprained or I pulled a muscle. If it's a herniated disc, we would only be able to see that on a MRI. But he said like, if it were him and he had done all this training, he would still attempt the race with there not being a fracture more than likely. I'm not going to do extra damage. So I was like, all right, well, that's all I needed to hear. I'm going to attempt it. He was wrong and no fault of his own. He just, he was wrong. Uh, So I attempted the race and like first 10 miles it just hit me so hard that I'm I obviously in training had done more than 10 miles so like I don't know why I was already feeling like dying at 10 miles and it just get got worse and worse and my back was seizing up I was like long story short I ended up getting having what's called Discitis, vertebral osteomyelitis, which is an infection of the spine, and have zero idea how I got it. But hang on a second. My man still went 30 miles, didn't you? 30.5 miles and almost 9,000 feet of elevation.
0: Yeah. Change. So let's not gloss over that real quick. Like, my man still did 30 miles with 9,000 feet of elevation change with a freaking infection in your spine. <laughs> like, come on
1: That's crazy Dude, it was insane And like, what's so crazy is uh, I realized that I don't show my emotions on my face Because in the video, like, or in my mind I thought I was crying I thought I was bawling and crying When I like got to that first aid station And, and I w- started editing the footage and I'm smiling and looking. I'm like, what the fuck? Eh, like, right. Dude, it was so crazy. Um, cause I literally, I thought I was crying. And yeah, <clears throat> so, um, yeah, I made it 30.5. Yeah. So you, P-
0: so you jump, so you get pulled from, well, you pull yourself or, or whatever from that race and you get diagnosed. I,
1: I didn't, I didn't make it. So, oh, okay. Yeah. I got, I got cut. I made it to 22, aid station 22, and the guy's like, All right, you have three hours to make it to the next aid station. It's 10 miles away. Um, it's just up and over a hill. No, it was a fucking mountain, not a hill. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was uh, very big, and it was not 10 miles. It was like 22 or 12 miles or something. <laughs> but it was, uh, so I started going up it, and then it just, turned into steeper and steeper. And I'm like, there's zero way. There's no way I'm going to be able to do mm-hmm. this. And um, obviously hit my, or like cut off. And so the sweeper came up and, which is the person that cleans up after everybody and makes sure there's nobody dead on the, the trail. Right. And so she came and grabbed me and was like, she walked out with me and then halfway they ended up getting a four-wheeler to pull me out the rest of the way because she couldn't go. Uh, Yeah, I would've taken way too long and everybody was waiting on me. But um, essentially several weeks later, um, I I did like three ER visits and nobody could figure out what was going on because I was as healthy as I was. And so like an infection in my spine, like osteomyelitis, is literally the last thing that anyone would have guessed because you have to, usually it happens to people who have just had surgery or people who are drug IV drug users. Um, Like it's just not at all. Somebody who's training. I was at the healthiest I've ever been in my life. And Mm -hmm. so um, my resting heart rate was like 36 to 38. (laughs) It was just, I, I was doing really good. And so it took them way longer than it should have to figure out what was going on. And finally, they did an MRI. And then not even an hour after I had the MRI, they called me. The radiologist called me and was like, you need to get to the ER immediately. And um, that's when they, so they had to put a pick line, which is basically, so it went into my arm. It's a semi-permanent IV It goes in your arm and all the way to your heart where it pumps kind of IV antibiotics. And I had to give myself infusions every single day. So this was the long-winded answer to say that, like, we do these 100-mile races in hopes to create this suffering and to grow and push through these things. But you get humbled really quickly when something like that happens to you and you can't manufacture true suffering. Uh, you realize that the luckily, like the things that you learn in a hundred-mile race, you can apply to uh, these situations in life. But like when you're not preparing or training for these moments, it becomes a completely different ball game. And you know you're dealing with like I was having uh, major, major reactions with the antibiotics; they were causing me to be super sleepy and. All the things that I wanted to do are like, I was running before and now I was completely stagnant and couldn't get out of bed and couldn't do anything. And I still am dealing with a ton of the side effects. Like, I just had an MRI last week because we were afraid that maybe the infection was coming back. Um, and it turns out the infection isn't coming back. However, it caused more degenerative degeneration in the discs in my spine, which is causing a bunch of other symptoms. Um, So it's like I'm still dealing with those things, and it's just kind of been a snowball effect that you have to figure out how to deal with in all the things that you learn with the meditation, the running 100 miles, and all these disciplines. Those are just tools that you can apply, really. Yeah, that yeah.
0: that piece to me the the humbling and how much of a luxury it really is to actually put yourself through that suffering voluntarily. For sure. Wow. Yeah, that actually that hit me really hard. So I apologize if I'm kind of lost for words right now. That it's it, cuz it is. It's nice. like it is such a luxury to put yourself purposefully through the pain when in reality, like life is going to throw you inevitably something that you're not prepared for, you're not training for, and like you said, you can use some of these tactics to overcome that um, and to work through it. However, it, it's there's a finish line at the race. There's not always a guaranteed finish line in life per se. Um, so I, I really appreciated that that uh, you call long winded, but I thought that was that was powerful, man. That's really powerful hey. shit.
1: And I think that's something worthy of noting is the finish line thing. Like I can, I know I can do anything with a finish line. I think sometimes I get hung up on like, like you said, it got very emotionally difficult going through some of these, that moment was like, I don't know how long I'm going to be on antibiotics. I don't know how long this dealing with the, Uh, ripple effect from the infection, like it definitely has caused a big challenge that I'm having to grow through even still now. Um, And I know like I remind myself because of all the work I've done, but like where I came out of from being hit by the snowmobile and how much I grew from that, I'm using that in this moment of like, okay, I came out really strong. I may have been set back in the last few months, but we're going to grow even further from that. And so, yeah, it's just a constant ebbs and flows, really. It is a constant ebbs and flow. And
0: to not get too high on the highs and not too low on the lows, trying to keep that equilibrium is always my goal. Is And I think that that's sometimes a detriment to the things that I do accomplish because I maybe I don't celebrate enough in the accomplishments. Because I'm like, OK, well, kind of like when's the when's the ball going to drop type of thing and trying to just stay in that equilibrium in the middle is sort of my ethos to not get too high, not go too low, because I know that this too shall pass type of mentality. Yeah, um, yeah I, I just I'm really intrigued by your story in particular, um, just because of all the trials and tribulations that you've gone through. And then obviously me being an ultra runner as well, it just drew me to you in in a really significant way. And then the videos that you've been making, um, and then obviously your web three presence as well. I I want to dive into that a little bit, if we could like web three now is a little bit of a a snafu just because of the market, the way that it is. However, um, the project that you are working on with your cousins, can you explain a little bit as to what you're doing in web three?
1: Yeah. So I would say right now I'm not doing much at all. So I had actually stepped away from that business right before the, uh, the race. And then, um, but essentially we started it, it was was just a web three gaming company Mm -hmm. and, um, we had partners. So my cousin, uh, he is friends with, uh, Ryan, the owner of West Coast Customs. West Coast Customs was, there were the people behind Pimp My Ride back in the day, yeah. and they yeah, build the crazy customized cars. And so he was like, hey, I have this connection. And this was early 2001, when NFTs were just starting to like really pop off. And, um, and so, and I've always kind of been huge in technology. The, the company I was let go from when I was hit by the snowmobile was an Apple service provider and I managed the store. And so like I've always been kind of uh, income, uh, part of the technology sphere and then also follow crypto a little bit back when we had the big jump in 2018 and then the big crash. Mm-hmm. And uh, so once we started to see things kind of coming back and with NFTs, we decided to go all in on making, doing like an NFT project for West Coast Customs um, and started built like we are gonna, what the goal was was to release these NFTs and then build a video game that they had been in talks about doing for years. And so um, we were going to sell the NFTs as the, the assets, start building the game. And then that's when I, I became the CMO, so the chief marketing officer, and then went to all of these different conferences, networking with people. Um, and we also started a podcast, which was where I just, my thought was like, hey, we're gonna use this podcast for me to meet as many people and network because we can give value to them using West Coast Customs platform to help push these guys and then push all these other projects. We can talk to them and then also use it as just uh, um, marketing for the project that we're building as well. And and that's something I firmly believe in in general is just like most businesses or projects in Web3, like if you're planning on doing marketing, you need to think like a media company. You have to create content that gives value before is like this marketing piece. And so that was what the Alpha podcast was, was like, how do we give value to viewers, to the people that were asking to be guests and nobody was really doing in-person Web3 podcasts. Like uh, nobody at the time was doing that. And so I just like blew up pretty quickly. got to the point where i interviewed gavin wood from uh the co-founder of ethereum Mm -hmm. and so like just uh, got solana engineers that i interviewed uh interviewed baroque and um like just all kinds of people and so that's when uh yeah just we just kept building we had some demo video game stuff we got i also at all these conferences was meeting with a bunch of vcs and ended up getting funded and we were valued at 35 million dollars just kind of kept kept growing but throughout that entire time I like none of us were taking money out of the company so I was working insane amount for like almost nothing and uh and then once we got funded we're like okay we're all gonna set salaries now and start functioning like a business so that we aren't burning out but I feel like by that time I was already feeling the burnout like I, I went too far and it wasn't necessarily something that I was passionate about. It was their kind of brainchild, their um, vision, and it wasn't. I had like not done any of my YouTube videos or anything. I kind of put that all on hold, and um, I just I was just feeling the burnout. Well, dude, you're means, traveling so. all
0: over the globe building a building a brand, and that's really what I think is just monumental. Is you took a pretty much an unknown market and seized the opportunity, went out there, started talking to the people that were involved, and making a making a brand like creating an actual brand for West Coast Customs and this NFT video game that they wanted to do. Um, I just I, I thought that that piece of your story was really incredible. On top of everything else that you had going on, you were still able to compartmentalize and still continue the goal of you know, being showing up for yourself and exercising and, and doing all of those things as well as brand, building this brand. I just I thought that that was a, just such a unique perspective that, that you could bring to our listeners as well because a lot of our listeners are trying to build brands and build businesses and the type of effort that it takes to do that and the mindset it takes to do that is one that you have
1: fostered. And I I think that that's really important for people to hear. Yeah. And I I think like, you know, I went to a lot, I I don't drink uh, at all. And I, for a while, like during that whole challenge, I was not using cannabis at all. So like I'm pretty much sober from everything. I mean, like I'm very minimal caffeine. I don't like, I I don't really did you much, feel like you were super so- did you feel the
0: the clarity? Did you feel that clarity?
1: Yeah. yeah, um I think a lot of it was interesting though because like everybody being encompassed in the NFT conferences, it was everyone around me was drunk or oh yeah, high or everything. So it just it definitely it almost though I felt very detached from a lot of the the culture and Mm -hmm. that I think was also weighing on me is like it was we're just going from party to party and networking with people and I was meeting a lot of VCs at these parties at these freaking clubs that I absolutely hate being at and so it was just kind of like for me I I what I I kind of found a system where I was like okay I'm gonna hang out at these places until everybody's drunk and then I'll leave. And then they don't know that I'm gone. Right. So, like, they, the, what they were actually remember is, is I was there. And then, like, I remember at the uh, conference in Chicago, like, I left. It was, like, 11 o'clock at night. I left. Everybody was out partying. People started, like, spilling drinks. I was like, okay, that's my cue. Mm-hmm. I'm out. And uh, <laughs> then I went and I would run few miles like at 11 o'clock at night in downtown chicago while everybody else is drinking and it is just like that just became my routine is like i can still get things done i would hop in twitter spaces while on the runs like mm-hmm. just trying to figure it out while also making sure that i got what i committed on bomb both sides like i was there to to build a brand, but also like, wasn't going to well, jeopardize. You yeah. Health. You didn't
0: lose yourself in the mix, you know? And I think that that's sometimes in what happens is people lose themselves in the sauce of trying to become this other thing when it's, you still got to maintain yourself in throughout building this other brand or building whatever you're trying to build is to keep your identities super intact. Um, and and not lose that piece of you because once you lose that and you start to like go down this road of just trying to be this other person that you're really not, you you burn out even faster.
1: Yeah. well, and I feel like that was kind of like I felt that I was leading in that direction, which is why I left because it was like, okay, I and all the time that I'm putting, you know, like you had said earlier, start running you spend a lot of time in your own head Mm -hmm. and the thing that just like kept coming up was i wasn't pursuing what i feel like i'm meant to do like i am i make really great videos that tell stories why am i not doing that at all and i was building somebody else's dream and not my own and um so yeah so and like Right now, I would say it was easier to build somebody else's dream. Like, it's not an easy thing to do because, yeah, you know, like I, I'm dealing with start uh, starting over essentially. And so, so, what
0: do you have going on? Uh, let's say near term, what what's what's on the agenda
1: for you in, for this summer? You, YouTube is really like I'm um, putting a bunch of energy into YouTube. Uh, I had set a goal to do. A video a week or 52 videos this this year. Um, I have kind of fallen back a little bit on that because I I had the uh, I've had to do some like client work just to take care of bills and stuff. Of and then, course. A lot a lot of uh like even after this last hundred mile race, I ended up with rabdo, which then I was in the hospital again for. But, My guy so, just
0: keeps trying. He tries to off himself like every time he's out there. Fuck. <laughs> Jesus, Dude, I've lit.
1: in the last six months, I've almost died like three times. So. I know.
0: You better you better uh, check for feline blood.
1: Yeah. So Fucking, <laughs> how many He's on his, he's on his fourth life right now. Um. But yeah, so that's, that's it. I mean, I'm honestly like uh, putting all of my effort and energy into building my YouTube channel. And um, I feel like everything that I've gone through and what I'm continuously pursuing uh, to be a better person and understand and be um, all of those things I can put in the messaging of my videos. And um, that, to me, I feel like can provide value. I've gotten a ton of people that do find value in it, whether there's like an entertainment value to it, but then I'm trying to add, uh, some kind of deeper messaging to it of, you know, and it's literally just my experience. Yeah. (laughs) Well,
0: I have had a blast watching the videos. I think that they're fantastic. They're well done, very professional grade. Um, Even just like the way that you tell the story about creating the Mr. Beast fake Mr. Beast like burger joint. It was hilarious. Like it was great video. It was a great storytelling. Uh you took us through the progression. Like I think you're very skilled in the way that you put out videos, dude. So um I'll be watching for sure. Uh I, I know that I'll be I'll be pumping them out as well as they come out. And I'm highly anticipating the the new edits and what you what you have going on for new
1: uploads so i'm i'm hoping we got a couple weeks i'm hoping i'll win this v friends thing because that will change the complete tra- tra- trajectory yeah. of <laughs> everything are so, you yeah. uh so i'm
0: are you coming to vcon
1: uh i'm not I yeah okay. my kids got a uh, standardized testing totally and, get it yeah yeah we got Got to take care of that. He's so he's back with me full time again. Mm-hmm. So this that changed things. A little Changes less freedom. Everything. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah. So like I've been doing a lot of things like opportunities that open up too, like entering in this V friends thing. uh Also applying to be on a reality TV show that has potential to win millions of dollars as well as get attention towards what I'm doing. So incredible. Just trying to apply just to, to strategize and like how do I build my brand and um I mean we we were being being out my house uh while the during spring break like uh, just ultimate sacrifices. <laughs> we literally camped in our car me and my son and dog for weekends while I was Airbnb being out the house yeah. because so it was just like doing whatever we needed to do. Hey, man. Sometimes that's break, what it takes. You get, you get uh, like, we could get 800 bucks in two nights. And I was like, well, I'm going to. So we just literally car camp for a few days. So it's just grinding <laughs> right now. We're yeah. in grind mode.
0: Well, I appreciate you taking out the time to, to join me today and, and to enlighten our listeners over at Growth Mindset Moment with your story. Of perseverance, overcoming limiting beliefs, and, and just all of these just amazing pieces of content that you're putting out there um, and the the growth mindset into the world. So thank you again. I appreciate it, Jessup.
1: Man, thank you for having me. I I appreciate it. Oh, yeah.
0: I'm excited to hear about your 100
1: mile race coming up. Hey,
0: it's funny, too, because you whenever you were doing your 100 miler uh, in 2022, so was I. We were doing it at the same yeah. time september 11th but um yeah so i'll get you up to date whenever it was the same day same day
1: wow <laughs> so that's we were out a, there grinding crazy.
0: together we didn't even know it
1: yeah <laughs> wow um yeah man I'm, I'm excited and uh can't wait to hear about it
0: hell yeah all right guys until next time
1: enjoy the journey
0: take care everybody thank you for staying here until the very end If you would do us a favor and leave a comment or review wherever you downloaded or streamed this podcast from, that goes a long way to help us spread the word about growth mindset. If you're a Web3 native or looking to get started, you can catch us over at Twitter on Tuesday nights where we host the Twitter Spaces at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard. There are unique surprises for those of you who attend those shows in addition to our podcast here. It's a Rug Radio production. Until next time, enjoy the journey.